Welcome to the Get Paid for Your Creativity podcast, the only podcast show dedicated to courageous, inspired, innovative entrepreneurs ready to fully tap into their purpose, express with passion, and create businesses that change lives and transform the world. Hello, my name is Rodney Washington, author, artist, entrepreneur, and your host. Five days a week, I'll be sharing cutting-edge business, creativity, and marketing tips, inspiration, insights, and feature interviews with extraordinary creative entrepreneurs. So grab your favorite beverage, set back, and enjoy today's show. Hello and welcome to Over the Hump Q&A Wednesday on the Get Paid for Your Creativity podcast. On today's episode, I will share with you part two on how to create, how creative entrepreneurs can create a simple business plan that supports their passions. Now, during part one of this podcast series, I challenged the role of the traditional model of a business plan and shared how creative entrepreneurs must think differently if they want to create a plan that allows them to not only fully express, but thrive. Before I go into that, what I do want to share with you is if you missed part one, you will want to go to getpaidforyourcreativity.com forward slash the number seven to listen to part one of this podcast. Also, today is going to be a little bit different because normally I just do questions all the way through on Q&A Wednesday, but I decided that since I did part one, I want to continue that conversation with part two of the business passion-based business plan and then invite you towards the end of the podcast to send in your questions and I'll give you a couple of different ways to do that and then I'll address those questions on Q&A Wednesday next, next week. So with that said, we're doing a little bit of a different twist this week. It's going to be a teaching podcast today. Q&A questions will come next week if you have any questions regarding what you learned on part one, which is getpaidforyourcreativity.com forward slash the number seven. And today's podcast, which is getpaidforyourcreativity.com forward slash the number eight. That's part two of this podcast series. Now, if you did, if you missed part one, or if you want a refresher of part one, I want to share with you what I spoke about in the previous podcast. The first thing I said was that you needed to have, there's five components to creating this plan. That for creative, passionate artists, creatives, that the traditional model of a business plan really doesn't work for us. We need something that is more, grassroots, more tactile. It's very difficult to make projections on things when you haven't really fully gotten under the hood to understand what it is that you're selling, what your customers are actually buying, how you're different and connecting to them, and then how to make whatever you offer even better for them so that they will want to buy more. And that's what I'm going to even go into even further on today's episode. But again, I want to recap really briefly about what I shared in the pod, in the first podcast ser- of this series on the passion-based business plan. The first thing that I said was that you need to truly have a true roll-up-your-sleeves kind of passion for whatever it is that you're doing. It needs to be something that you can really get behind completely. The two things that I pointed out that I believe in my heart are the telltale signs that you have found something that you're deeply passionate about, is that you're willing to do whatever it takes to do the work, even if it means forego being paid for it for a while, 
So much so that you will even invest your own money, come up with money in other ways to invest, to be able to express yourself this way, whatever that means to you. So if you're willing to for if you love what you're doing so much that you're willing to forego payment up front for you right now, so much so that you're willing to invest your own money, even if it means creating the money from another source to, to fund, to support this dream, that's what you're willing to do. When you find something that you're, you are that passionate about, in my heart, I know that you are pretty much 90% there. The reason why the passion is so critical is because you are going to have to work your tail off in the very beginning to turn this into a business. It's going to require everything of you. Your time, your money, your resources, your talent, your ability to, to speak passionately about what you do to other people. And this is going to be a lot of where we're going to be focusing today's episode on is that ability to communicate with the people that you want to put your product, your service, or whatever it is in front of them to get them to experience what it is that you have created. The second thing is that, the development of the product or the service. Again, in the very beginning, you're going to rely more on sweat equity than you are money to get this out there. Yes, some money will be required. The exact dollar amount is very specific to your particular project. But in most instances, I would venture to say that most things that you would do probably would be in the $500 range and under, provided that you have the basic components that you need to get your business going. The most basic meaning, like a computer of some sort, it could be, again, a, a tablet or even a really great smartphone and internet. Even if you're using free Wi-Fi, you can get around that. So the point is, is that you're going to need at least some way to develop whatever it is that you're creating. And more often than not, that involves some kind of a computer of some sort. Assuming that you have those things, your startup investment should be, I think, under $500. You might need that to invest in maybe a class or something or purchase some books or, you know, something along or buy product, buy some kind of supplies that you need to produce the product that you're trying to create. The next thing is you need to have a way to share that passion with others that will entice them to want to work with you now and in the future. And that's the cornerstone of also what I'm going to be talking to you about in today's episode. Now, before I move into that, I want to give you some more grassroots tactical tips that you can use to verify that your passion, the thing that you've decided that you're really passionate about, actually is viable. In my model of the passion-based business plan, what I know to be true is that once you decide what you're going to sell, or once you have an idea what you think you want to sell, you want to start looking for some, some grassroots evidence that what you're thinking about actually is viable. And that, again, is where the Internet really becomes a very important tool. Now, assuming that you're not already in business and that you already aren't are already selling, assuming that you aren't selling what you're thinking about creating, if you're in business already, you're making money already, you probably already have the evidence to prove that what you are doing is viable. But I'm speaking for those who are coming from the space of not having that concrete evidence yet. 
but this is what I'm going to share with you would be applicable to those even if you are already in business because you can start to see what other people are doing so that you can start creating the most important secret sauce to what I'm going to share with you today is your point of differentiation. Okay, now what you want to do is you'll want to go to the internet, Google will be a great search tool, and just type in your subject. Now I'm going to use, in yesterday's example, I used uh, cupcakes because I had a client that bakes cupcakes. So if I was wanting to go into that business, knowing that there are a lot of people out there baking cupcakes, that's a very popular food item. It has been for quite a few years. But I want to define what my point of differentiation is. I may go to Google and type in cupcake shops, baking cupcakes, starting a cupcaking business, something along those lines. I want to start seeing what else is out there. I want to get a sense of who else is already successful in the area that I want to go into. Now, the cupcake model is very simple because really you, we already know that there are probably millions of businesses out there right now selling cupcakes. But let's say that you want to go for something that's a little bit not so commonplace. Like everyone knows that cupcakes sell really well. So let's say you specialize in a particular brand of jewelry. Maybe the kind of jewelry that you design is more based on healing energy and Reiki and, and special kinds of semi-precious stones and things of that nature. You want to find out what other people are out there offering and selling that kind of jewelry. Again, you'll go to Google and you'll type that in, jewelry designers specializing in semi-precious, in healing, you know, type in the word healing, healing jewelry, Reiki, anything, whatever, whatever you know, your particular, you want to be as specific as possible as you can when you type into Google and you want to see what comes up. Now, let's stay with the jewelry designer model for just a few moments. Say that you found someone that specializes in crystals and semi-precious stones and they, they, you know, they put a lot of healing energy into their pieces. That's what their business is. So you want to find someone else doing that. And I'll tell you now, you want to find someone else. You want to find multiple someone else's doing this because what you're doing is you're proving that what you're thinking about creating is actually viable. If you have a hard time finding someone else doing something similar to what you're doing, you want to keep researching until you do because there's nothing new under the sun and you don't want to be spending your time, spending energy trying to reinvent the wheel. You want to focus on who's already doing something similar to what you're doing so that you can model and find out what they're doing as the foundation for how you make yourself different. Now, assuming that you find, I'd say, two or three designers that are very similar to you in this mode of jewelry design. You want to go to their websites. You want to look at a few things. You want to look at the product lines that they're currently offering. You want to look at the About Me page, if they have one of the bio page. Sometimes it's called bio. You want to find out a little bit more about them, how they got started. You want to find out who their customer is, how would they describe them, perhaps how are they connecting to them. 
and you want to find out about their product lines. You want to look at pricing. You want to look at uh, the way the images are displayed. Are, the, are their pictures sharp and clear? Are they sort of shot not with the best possible equipment? You want to find out what, what they're doing. Not that you can copy them, but to start to see how you are different. No person that buys, in, in this case, jewelry, only would buy from one designer. There might be a few people that only buy from this one designer. But if they're buying from these other two or three designers, the likelihood is quite good that they'll also buy from you. Provided that you provide a clear, strong point of differentiation. Now, with that said, we want to start focusing on part three of this, which is just that. What's your point of differentiation? Your point of differentiation is, in essence, you. It could be your education. It could be the way you procure the materials that you use to make your jewelry. It could be who you apprenticed under. It could be the way your designs are packaged. Maybe you only use organic paper or organic packaging, you know, very green conscious. Perhaps it is that you work with women that produce your jewelry that are being paid a fair wage. Say if you're having your jewelry designed off location and instead of doing what many businesses do, which is try to find cheap labor, you're actually paying your workers an above average wage as an idea. It could be why you got into designing jewelry. What was the thing that motivated you to get into this business? Perhaps you went through a rough period in your life and you learned that stones and healing energy helped you to get through that period. That's part of your point of differentiation. You want to look at, again, who you specialize in. Maybe you specialize in jewelry that's just for men. That's very much a very, a very real possibility now. Perhaps, for an example, you have, you have jewelry that is designed with only a certain kind of material. And everything is made with those two or three materials. That could be another example. What you want to look at, so these are the notes I will give you for defining your point of differentiation. For an example, if it's food items, do you have unusual flavor combinations? Perhaps you love blending salt, salty and sweet, for an example. Everything that you do is around that genre. Do you have unique preparation styles? That could be another way that you're different. Again, it could be your market, the markets that you specialize in, any niche markets now. Niching is very, very, very important now in regards to how we set ourselves apart and define our own point of differentiation. For an example, do you only work with women or women entrepreneurs or just moms? Artists, people who are pro golfers, very specific targeted ethnic groups, people who consider themselves adventurers or lifestyle entrepreneurs, speakers, authors, coaches, 
Do you only work if you're going back to culinary again? Maybe you only work with chocolate. Recently, I discovered a business on the Food Network that only specializes in all kinds of things bacon-related. Again, do not underscore your personality and your personal style. And one way to get clear, because again, sometimes it's very difficult for us to see how we're different because we live in our own skin. The fastest way to uncover that is to go to at least three people. Five or so it would be even better, but three, at least three people that love you, trust you, and have your best interest at heart. Preferably people who have bought from you in the past. And ask them to name three qualities about you. Three one-word qualities about you. I say continue asking this question until you find at least a common thread amongst three answers. When I did this exercise several years ago, I asked people to say, give me three words that you would use to describe me. And when I looked at all of the words that came in, the ones that stood out across the board consistently was that I was considered to be a warm person that I was considered to be a creative person, and that I was considered to be an inspiring person. Now, there were other words that were used, but those three words showed up more often than not over the list of people that I asked those three words of. That's an exercise I would give you. Go out and ask people to give them, give you three words, three one-word answers, just one word that would describe you when they think about you. This will help you in regards to defining your branding. What you want to do is you want to get really clear about that. This is also the definition of your point of differentiation. The key to me in regards to defining your point of differentiation and doing research about other businesses that are very similar to yours is not about you having to be better than them. You don't have to be better than them You just have to be different. Again, there's there's nothing new under the sun. But once you define how you're different, you can define that and you put that up front in all of your marketing and all of the ways you talk about your business and all of the ways that you talk about your products and your services. That's your secret sauce. That moves you away from being a me too type of business to you becoming... Yes, and. Yes, there's that jewelry designer, that cake, that cupcake baker, that book author. Yes, it's them and me. Yes, and you. Me too. But I'm doing something my own way. I have my own secret sauce. I have my own way of being. It could very well be that your products are very similar, but again, it's all about you. It's how you come across. It's how you interact with other people. So keep that in the forefront of your mind. So going back to recap, just really briefly, get clear about your passions. Know that you will do whatever you need to do to be involved in this, and this is what you want to do. Two, find other businesses that are similar to what you want to sell. Study their pages, especially their About Me pages and their product line pages. Three, define how you're different from them. Put that point of differentiation up front because that's your secret sauce. Okay, now we're going to move into point four, and this is creating your free taste. 
based on your point of differentiation, what can you create? What can you put together that you can proudly put your name on, that you can offer to people for free for them to give, a, give get an opportunity to try and experience what you have to offer? In the book Rework, which I spoke about on the podcast of that for those authors book on I think it was getpayforyourcreativity.com forward slash number five. In that podcast, one of the pay, one of the things they talked about in that book, the author spoke about in that book was the dr- the uh, the drug dealer marketer. The person who used the free sample to get you hooked so that you'd want to come back and buy more. More legal forms of marketing, not using drugs, for an example, is Mrs. Phil's Cookies. When she started out her business, she baked cookies and took Debbie Fields and took them out to college campuses and let students try them. Those samples entice students to come and buy the cookies. When she moved into shopping malls, she worked out arrangements so that the vents from the ovens would, would blow into the mall. So no matter where you were, if you were anywhere near that store, you'd smell the cookies and you'd come over. So you've got to have your free taste. You've got to have your piece that you can offer people. And it has to be good. I mean, your be- some of your best stuff. Because when you're able to give people your best stuff and they get it and they love it so much that they want more, that takes care of 90% of your selling for you. The other reason why you want to have a really strong free taste is because it's the precursor to the paid offer. But I cannot emphasize this enough. Your free taste has your has you have to put as much passion, as much attention to detail, and as much of everything that you would do for the paid product, you need to put that into the free product. That means the customer service has to be there. That means that the passion has to be there. That means that it has to look great. It has to perform well. It has to create something within that person that they will go, I will gladly buy this. Now, with that said, the next thing is you need to make sure that your free taste is being offered to people that want it. A lot of times where the breakdown starts to happen is that we have a great product or a great service, but we're offering it to the wrong people. And you want to move away from that because what happens when you're offering it to the wrong people, they don't want it because they don't have a need for it. They're not buying it. And then what happens is you internalize it and then become, you start to feel like that you're failing in some kind of way. And it very well could be, and this could go for those who already are in business who have maybe noticed a dip in their sales. Things are not moving as well as they once were. It may be time for you to go back to the lab and retool some things. You know, it might mean retooling your existing product or your existing service, or it may mean just finding a new audience to go to. But whatever it is that you decide to offer, you want to offer to an audience that really wants it. If you were a a designer who designed wedding cakes, 
you wouldn't want to go and offer your cakes up at a group support group for people who are going through divorce. That's not your market. Where would you go with your wedding cake samples? You go to bridal shops. You go to you know fairs, trade shows, and those kinds of things where people looking for that product will be. One of the fastest ways to find your market, or some people might call your tribe, and a book that I recommend while I'm speaking about this, a book I recommend that you give serious thought to adding to your success library is Tribes by Seth Godin. And I will put that in the show notes on this page for this podcast. But anyway, you want to find your tribe. You want to find the people, not just the people who like you, because the people who like you may not be your customer. They may enjoy your free taste, but they're not buying. All right. So you want to find the people who are going to buy what it is that you're offering. They're going to love that free taste so much. They're going to be so impressed with that free taste that, yes, I will open up my wallet without you even having to ask and buy more from you. One of the fastest ways to find your tribe, in my opinion, is Meetup. Meetup.com. You go to Meetup. You go into your geographical location. You type in your subject and you see what meetups are already popping up in your current location. I would suggest that you attend several of them if you can find a few of them to kind of get a vibe for how they're run, how they how they are, the people that go there, if people show up. And you want to go there and get a sense what I call take the temperature of the group to see if there's going to be really really any real interest in what you're creating. I would even go so far as to say do that first if you are still in the development stage of your free offer. Start striking up conversations with people. Start seeing what they're talking about, what they're complaining about, what things they wish they could find that were different. Once you start to get that data, you can start using that to then craft your free offer. But I do want to emphasize something here. I want you to adopt a software developer's mentality to the creation of your offer, your first offer. What I mean by that is a software developer creates a beta version of their software so they can get something out into the marketplace to see how people are going to respond to it, to find out where the kinks and the holes are so that they can go back and perfect it and then re-release it with those changes implemented. I don't want you to spend a lot of time developing something. You need to get something out there. And this is what needs to happen before I move into the, the, the final step, part five of this business plan. Find your tribe. Get to where they are. If you already are in development of your free taste, your free offer, whatever it is, it could be chapters of a book that you're thinking about writing. It could be samples of your jewelry that you've already designed. It could be samples of your food products you've already created. It could be free sessions of your coaching if you offer coaching and advice-related services. If it's a software, it could be a beta version of the software. The point I want to make is, is get to the right people, see if there's a fit for what you're offering, and then just ask people. I'm creating something, fill in the blank. I'd love it if you tried and give me your feedback. Release the beta version. Going back to the software developer's mentality, release the beta version. Give those people that version. Let them know that these are just some things I'm working on. These are my samples. 
This is not necessarily the final product, but this is the samples. I want to get your feedback on it. If people are responding positively to the point that they say, you know what, I'm ready to buy this, you're now generating sales. And this moves into being able to get people engaged with your product, engaged with your service. I would say if you're thinking about writing a book, for an example, can you turn the topic of that book into a free talk and ask the meetup group that you go to if you can come in and do a, do a small talk, get feedback. Ask people, I'm working on some chapters for this book. Can I give you those chapters? Write those chapters up. Get them as edited as best you can. Get it as clean as possible. Give those chapters out. Start getting people engaged. You want to start focusing on creating your small in-house focus group that is helping you co-create the thing that you're going to be selling. If I can emphasize anything here is stop creating in a vacuum. And then once you feel it's all polished and ready to go, you're releasing it and going, ta-da, here is my thing. And then no one's buying it. Because you didn't engage with anyone prior to releasing it. You have to give people now evidence that what you're offering actually is going to work and is actually a benefit to them. And the only way you can do that is to get yourself engaged with real-life people who are already defined as the right people for your product or service. If they aren't, then no harm, no foul. You just spend a little bit of money to make your samples. They weren't the right fit or, it's, or it needs to go back to the drawing board and be reworked. But you're coming at it from a perspective of having to get it out there and get, get examples, samples done get that real-world feedback, and then go back and perfect as opposed to investing all of your money into creating a huge product line, opening up a store, setting up a huge website and a blog and all of these things and putting all these hours of work and time and hiring designers and all of this, and you really don't have any concrete evidence that this thing that you're thinking about is even going to fly. This is why the traditional business plan for creatives don't work. Because you're basing everything on speculation. You don't know for certain what people are going to really spend their money on. And people nowadays want proof. We want samples. We want to try things. If you go to everyone, and the thing of it is, is everyone's using this model right now. If you go to Amazon right now to buy a book, you can download a sample of that book. Or you can preview a sample of that book before you buy it. If you're going to go try a different food item, recently I was at a Starbucks coffee uh, store and they offered me samples of different kinds of coffee blends before I chose the one I wanted to have. We are in a sample-based oriented society right now. And we're not giving away the stuff that we wouldn't sell anyway. We're giving away the best stuff. We're giving people tastes of what we do. We're giving away chapters. We're giving away sample classes. We're giving away talks. We're giving away, you know, our, our samples of our food items. We're holding events and inviting people to come and try things. This is how you're able to create engagement. 
prior to asking for the sale. The more that you can do that, then you're able to get the data that you need in order to be able to make the right decisions that's actually going to affect your business in a way that will actually grow it much faster. You're not doing things based on speculation. You're doing things based on fact, real world fact that you've created, that you've collected. So I want to recap here the business plan. One, you want to get clear about your passion. You want to be able to say, I will do this without being paid. I will forego being paid right now so much so that I'm willing to invest my own money into doing this. Two, you want to decide what you're going to sell. You want to do research to find out what's being sold similar to yours. You want to research your quote-unquote competition. And you want to define your point of differentiation. That's point number three. Point number four is you want to create your free taste. You want the free taste to be as good as the paid offer. And you want to offer it only to pre-qualified people. People who have said, I'm looking for this, I want this, this is what I need, and you want to go get in front of them. One of the ways I recommended to do that is to check out meetup.com. Find meetup groups in your local area that you can get to and get yourself to a few of those meetings. Listen to people, engage with them. Don't come in the first meeting offering something for free. Go to a few meetings and get a sense if this tribe, if this community is actually going to be someone that would benefit from what you have to offer. As I said earlier in the show, investigate the book by Seth Godin Tribes. I will place that in the show notes. Go check that out. Read that book. It's got some great resources in there for you. Once you've confirmed that you have found an audience of people that actually want what you have. And also, let me back up for just a moment. I don't want to leave it just at meetup.com. You may be able to go to local businesses that also would fit your target audience and offer to do some kind of a demonstration there or maybe a trunk show or something like that. So meetups may not pan out for you. I just want to put that out there. Meetups are great, but you may not find one that's exactly for your target audience. So don't be afraid to go to local brick-and-mortar businesses for an example, that you can come in and do perhaps a demonstration of some sort. That could be the second fastest way to get in front of the right people. The next thing you want to do is you go to number five. You want to survey strategically. You want to be putting your product, your sample, your service into the hands of the right people and ask them the right questions. You want to find out from them what they loved about your product, what is so-so for them, and what can be taken away. You want to take that data in and then perfect it. You want to, as I said earlier, stop waiting until you think everything is done and do your beta version, release your beta version of it. Get feedback from people who are engaging with it and then go back and tweak and then release the paid version. And the best question you can ask is once people have read your book or samples of your book or heard your talk or tried your your jewelry or tried your food item or tried a sample of your coaching or whatever it is that you offer, the best question you can ask them is, if I offered this for sale, 
would you buy it? If they haven't already told you that. And then your goal is to get back and get that those changes made as fast as possible and get it in their hands so that they can buy it. So this is the five-step passion-based business plan in a nutshell. I'm going to have all this outlined on the show notes. Again, you can find all of that on getpaidforyourcreativity.com forward slash the number eight. Again, this is part two of a two-part series. You can go back to listen to getpaidforyourcreativity.com forward slash number seven to listen to part one. Again, this is part two. I will have the list of all the resources that I recommend for you there. And finally, I'd like to ask you for feedback myself. This is my free taste. This is the thing I'm offering to see how what I'm doing is helping you or engaging with you. I would love to get your feedback. And I want to provide you, as I promised at the beginning of the show, I want to promise some ways that you can get get into contact with me. At the bottom of the show notes on today's blog post, I'm going to provide you with several different ways to reach out to me. There's my phone number. I have a phone number there. I have an online voicemail and an email. I will name those now. So you can email me at askrodney at getpayforyourcreativity.com or you can call me at 858-413-7526 or you can also leave me an online voice message at speakpipe.com forward slash Rodney Washington. Again, all of that information will be at the bottom of the show notes page on getpayforyourcreativity.com forward slash the number eight for today's episode. So with that said, I want to thank you so much for listening in today. I would love to get your questions in about what I shared. I would love to address those on next week's podcast, which is Q&A Wednesday, which will be happening next week. And again, as I said, if there's anything I can do to support you further in this process, reach out to me. I'm ready to, ready to listen, ready to jump in. And if I could ask for one final favor, if this served you in any way, if you got some, some tips out of this, even one idea that you can work with, I would love it if you would share this podcast series. The way this will grow and help so many more people is if more people listen to it. I've made a simple, simple way for you to do that. If you go to getpaidforyourcreativity.com forward slash share it, S-H-A-R-E-I-T, one word, getpaidforyourcreativity.com forward slash share it, you will be taken to a page with a pre-written tweet. If you're on Twitter, all you have to do is click the tweet button. You'll let people know about the podcast show. They can go and subscribe. And also, I'd love it if you would subscribe to the channel, if you're on iTunes or on Stitcher, or, and both, leave a comment for me. That would help a lot and help more people to see the podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. So with that said, I thank you so much. I appreciate you. And remember to express yourself with passion and live on purpose every single day. This is Rodney Washington signing off. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoyed today's show. Get Paid for Your Creativity podcast broadcast five days a week, Monday through Friday. Please visit our website at getpaidforyourcreativity.com for more information about the content shared on today's broadcast, including additional resources and show notes. And finally, express yourself with passion and live on purpose every single day. This is Rodney Washington, your host, signing off.